I'm sorry. All right. Well, my name's Brian, and today is Monday, June 5th, 2023, and this is episode 422 of the Lots Project Podcast, a daily look inside our journey to live outside the systems of control. And it's another Monday morning show, Coffee with Brian. How's everyone doing this morning? Hope everyone had a great weekend and was productive and uh, ready to get rolling for the week. We had a good one. We had a good one. It was a little warm around here. A little, uh, little toasty um, earlier in the day than normal, it, it seemed. Um, temperature snuck up pretty fast and we had to get on the air pretty quick for the dogs. And uh, really us, I think, uh, we would go outside um Cooled down a little bit in, in the camper. We'd go outside, and it, it was kind of borderline. It's kind of borderline. The tin can kind of uh, warms things up, so we got to figure out how to uh, get some more time outside. So. We got in the cup today. Got in a little bit of Guatemalan, Guatemalan light roast, finishing that off. I think uh, I'll finish it off this morning. I'm guessing it's going to be a two French press type of day today. Just by the way, the morning is starting off, so I figure I will finish that off today. We'll be busting into a new pound of coffee tomorrow, tomorrow. So tune in to see what we got going on. Uh, what are we talking about today? Let's see. Made a big, made a big discovery here at the at the camper. Um, this is a little while ago. It's been sitting off again it got lost again but we found uh found a little package that we didn't know we had and uh yeah so that'll be interesting to go dig through and um and i think we're going to end up selling what we found so that's really cool we found that uh talk about what that was also we'll be talking about uh cutting grass and something cory cory brought up to me the other day uh when the landowners were out buzzing the yard down and making everything look pretty around here uh we got talking about cutting grass and why why it smells so good to us and there's an interesting reason you may know or you may not but uh, i'm gonna let you know today and um touch on who we got coming in the interview tonight and whatever else comes up this morning so so oh let's see got the perfect cup coming up that is a pretty decent uh, decent question this morning. We got some pretty good answers. Oh, man. Grab some more of this real quick and we will get into that. All right, everyone, it's time again for the 91st edition of the Perfect Cup, a daily question and my thoughts. Join the discussion in my Telegram group at t.me slash lots chat. That's t.me slash lots chat. I post a question every day in the Telegram group. I spread it around social medias as much as possible and try to gather up the answers. Telegram is the surefire way to get your answers seen and put on the list. Otherwise, Nostra would be a good second choice. Then you could probably 
give it a shot on Facebook, LinkedIn, or MeWe, and there's a good chance I will see it. But who knows if it will be in time for the show. Today's Perfect Cup question of the day is... If you had, what, excuse me, what do you need to stop doing to make space for bigger changes? What do you need to stop doing to make space for bigger changes? And that's kind of like uh, one of those New Year's resolutions resolutions questions. You, you, you would usually get that dropped in uh, December-ish, uh, early January when people are doing all that kind of stuff. But uh, let's throw it out there in June and see what people see what people are thinking they need to get out of the way so that they can make the, the bigger improvements that they would like. Baby steps before big steps, I guess. James over Telegram Group, and this was Telegram Group only by the time... Uh, by the time I got uh, got to it yesterday, uh, things were going a little behind, and I just dropped it in the Telegram group. I figured the people there were having a good conversation, and we would get a lot of answers. So, and we did, we did. So, James Gingerbread Farm says um, says uh, we <laughs> the one thing the one thing that he has to change to get uh, to make space for bigger changes is being married, and uh, that was I could have probably. There are a few people in the group I could have probably wrote down the answers that I was would have predicted that they would have, and I was guessing that was going to be James's. And James is in the comments over here saying that uh, his morning isn't starting. <laughs> you can see how his morning isn't starting today. His uh, his uh, work semi is not uh, not starting up, so sounds like he's going to take the day off. Kyle, the Backwoods Butcher, who had an appearance on Toolman Tim's show last night. It was pretty good, so you should check that out for sure. Kyle says, I need to stop making excuses and put more time into the things that are going to produce results. Yes, that is, uh, that is a usually a pretty good, um, pretty good plan. Rose in Telegram Group says she needs to stop being lazy and hiding from the heat by reading books and being constantly pregnant. Being constantly pregnant kind of probably puts a damper on getting shit done, I assume. I've never been constantly pregnant myself, but uh, I can't imagine that it's uh, too easy to to go the extra mile when you are, uh, I guess, I guess maybe um, developing another human being may be considered going the extra mile. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway... Stop being constantly pregnant and um, hiding from the heat and being lazy. That's pretty good. Pretty good list there. K-Bonk says uh, stop overthinking the small acts. And uh, overthinking things is uh, is something that I do quite a bit. Overthinking or overanalyzing or over-researching um, and, and convincing myself that there's things that aren't going to work. <laughs> That's, uh, that happens. That happens. Uh, Gingerbread says, I only get pregnant for short periods of time. Yes, that is true. That is true. Uh, Josh, the renegade butcher says, focus less on things that don't provide value. Um, really focusing on value for value. And that is, um, that's a great answer. And in, in the mindset we've been looking at, uh, using Noster and Telegram with a tip bot and things to that. Uh, the value for value network of podcast players and things like that is uh, putting your time into providing value 
And I think that could go both ways, providing value to others and providing value to yourself because you have to do things for yourself. And even if you're not providing value to others, you're providing value to yourself in ways that uh, you're relaxing, you're becoming more productive at other times. It goes two-way street. It's two-way street, value for value. And that includes yourself. Canadian Farmstead says he, uh, what what does he need to stop doing to make to make space for bigger changes? It says Telegram, what I really need to do is uh, do is stop not making lists of things to get done. When I don't make lists, I work all day, but get nothing finished. And yeah, I completely agree. Lists, lists are my um, are my nemesis and uh, and my savior. Both, um, I I do very well with with lists in the short term. In the long term, they just get buried. They get buried under other lists. But um, getting it on paper when the idea comes out or notepad on my phone or whatever is, uh, is ideal, is ideal. I, my brain spins around in circles so many times that I forget what I was thinking about before I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, <coughs> before I get to it, excuse me, excuse me, Monday morning, man. It's, it is, uh, it is a tough one this morning for sure. Chris Dixon says, um, why do I need to change? I worked my ass off and continue to work my ass off to get to and stay where I am. That is a very, very good point, Chris. That is definitely a very good point. Um, you don't need to change. You don't need to change at all. If you are, if you are happy to where you've gotten and that's where you want to be, and uh, there's nothing that you're looking to changes to, then you don't need to change. Um, I think a lot of people aren't there. I think a lot of people I think a lot of people have some big changes they want to make in their lives and they can't figure out how to do it. And uh, maybe just taking that first little step is the key, like James getting rid of his wife. <laughs> Sean, uh, Sean says he would like to work less, like halfway retire maybe. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, I don't know if Sean is planning on halfway retiring and then staying busy with something else or halfway retiring and doing nothing. And at the point you're halfway retiring, that's your choice. That's really your choice. If you have the ability to do it and uh, that's the decision you're making, do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. Rob says, stop down, stop doom scrolling on social media and start productively posting on social media for personal and business growth. Josh summarized that. Josh circled back, copied, and uh, and rewrote that for him and said, stop using and posting on social media and start interacting with people socially online. And that is a very... When he said that, I read it, I was like, oh, yeah, great, great, uh, great answer, Josh. Way to, uh, way to really spin that out so people could understand it. I didn't think much of it. And then this morning when I was copying them over to my notes and so I could read them, it, uh, I was like, start interacting with people socially online is a great way to put what you need to do. Stop consuming, stop scrolling and just, um, using it like a TV. That's what it's turned into is a captive TV in your, in your, um, 
personalized captive TV in your device. So you're scrolling, looking, and you're you're consuming, you're consuming, you're consuming. Like you used to sit down on a Friday night and watch TV programs and advertising and over and over and over movies. When you're not interacting, when you're not when you're not commenting, when you're not uh, posting things yourself, when you're not interacting with that social community, it's a one way street, and it's it's just like watching TV. If you start interacting, you can use social media to interact with a society a society of people that are there of your choosing. You can decide who you see, what you see, how you see it, how you interact with it, what you put out there. Um, interacting with people socially online is a better way to look at utilizing the tool that's there, I think. Like when, uh, like when the VCR, when the VCR popped out, pop, people stopped consuming, consuming television programming on the programmer's schedule and started consuming it on the consumer's schedule. They were able to record things and watch them later. They were not now tied to their television television set when their episode is on or when the the replay of that episode is on or whatever now now you had that on your schedule um yeah <laughs> makes me think about when Corey and i we we used to watch the tv show parenthood back in man when was that it must have been in the like early 2000s and uh we watched it from the first episode. We had heard about it and we turned it on. We liked it. We enjoyed it. And we got into this habit of having to be home to watch it. Uh, even though we could have recorded it, we could have done whatever. This was the early 2000s. It was completely possible to uh, watch it later. We wanted, we had this drive to watch it and watch it live on, on the day and time it was at. And it got to a point, we watched the first couple seasons, and at one point, the season ended, or the series ended, and I can't remember which it was, but I was like, oh, we don't have anything to do on Tuesday nights now, or Thursday nights, or whatever it was on, I don't even remember, but uh, it was this feeling of, oh, I have my night back. Well, I had my night back before, it was my choice to, to, to tie myself down and, and watch that show that night, so I don't know, start interacting Stop, stop just consuming and being tied to it and doing it because you feel like you have to. Golden Crickets, I don't think she got the... I don't, she's trying to be funny and, and joke about the question, but she wants to get rid of her husband too um, because she loves him so much that, um, that um, she'd get much more work done if he wasn't around, and but she wouldn't trade it for anything. Hmm. Okay, anyway... Anyway, that's the perfect cup question of the day. Again, the, the question was, what do you need to stop doing to make space for bigger changes? And I thank everyone that provided answers. If you want to check out the perfect cup question for tomorrow, keep an eye out on socials a little later this morning or jump in that Telegram group at t.me slash lots chat. That's t.me slash lots chat. I'll post it up a little later this morning, and you can throw out your answers. I will gather them up, and we can meet back here again tomorrow morning. If you're interested in finding some Perfect Cup for your cup, please check out theperfectcup.shop. That's theperfectcup.shop. 
to find a little portal to go get premium air roasted coffee to put in that mug every morning and enjoy the perfect cup podcast with me. Thanks for joining me. And now back to the main show. All right. All right. All right. That was another perfect cup question for Monday. I found uh, answers. I was taught or answers questions. I found more questions. I've been answering questions, but it's just been leading to more questions. Uh, I found 10 more. I believe I got, uh, did I drop 10? Let me see real quick. I was looking for more answers or questions. Man, more questions for the perfect cup. I When I originally set it up, I think I set up the first 60. Then I set up the first, mm, the next 30. So that got me to 90. And yes, I did this weekend. I couldn't remember if I, I stopped at 95. Or if I rolled right up to, um, if I rolled right up to 100, and I did. I uh, I rolled up to 100. I have that filled out for the next two weeks. But if you'd like to drop questions in for the Perfect Cup, excuse me, please go ahead and email those to info at thelothproject.com, or you can direct message me on any of the socials and drop your questions that you'd like added to the list because I'd like to go past 100. I enjoy doing the question every morning. Ah, man. Guatemalan's good. Morning, John, or good morning, Kyle. How's it going? Sleep in a little bit, I see. Oh, okay. History, history. Pip sent me a, a good history segment for this morning. So let's get rolling on that here. And then we will get on to the topics of the day. Um, man, everything is just a little off this morning, and I'm not sure what it is. It's going to be one of them days, guys. It's going to be one of them days. And all right, time for lots of history prepared for you by Pip over there at DuctionCup.com. Hello, everyone. Today is June 5th. It is the 156th day of the year, and happy Monday, Today on Lots of History, some possible earworms to think about. This day in, this day, June 5th in 1817, the first Great Lakes steamer, the Frontenac, is launched. The Frontenac was steamboat, first paddle steamer launched on the Canadian side of the Great Lakes in 1816. Built in Ernesttown, Ontario by American contractors for Kingston businessmen, during 1816, at a cost of uh, 15,000 pounds, she entered service in the spring of 1817. Frontenac conducted regular runs across Lake Ontario between Kingston and Kingston, York, which is now Ontario, uh, which is now Toronto, and Niagara on the lake. The round trip fare between Kingston and New York was $18, $12 one way in the cabin class. Pips notes, 1816 pounds sterling value of 15,000 would be roughly 18,600 in 1816. Oh, and the conversion in 1816 would be to $18,600. That amount would be uh, $400,180.98 today in 2023. Huh. Spendy boat, spendy boat. I don't know. How much does a boat cost to build now? I don't think $400,000 seems relatively excessive for a large steamer boat. Now that I think about it. 
1883, the first regularly scheduled Orient Express departs Paris. Wait, we talking trains and trains, planes, and uh, automobiles today. The train traveled the length of continental Europe with main terminal stations in Paris in the northwest and Istanbul in the southeast and branches extending service to Athens, Brussels, and London. Pips notes, computer question. What is the true story of Murder on the Orient Express? The tragic but fictional story of Daisy Armstrong is based on the tragic and very true kidnapping and murder of renowned pilot Charles Lindbergh's 20-month Charles Lindbergh's 20-month-old son, which occurred right before Christie began writing Murder on the Orient Express. Fake story based on a true story. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. This day in 1956. Gingerbread says you can spend 400000 on a new pickup nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This day in 1956, Elvis Presley introduces new song Hound Dog on the Milton Berle show. Did you guys hear about Milton Berle? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Scandalizing the audience with his suggestive hip movements. Pips notes, I am not all shook up. I may have add Elvis to the playlist for today. Pip, enjoy that Elvis. We had it play as part of our uh, processional music in at our wedding for uh, the families. The grandparents, I believe, actually came into instrumental versions of Elvis. Hound Dog? Is that... Um, I can't remember. Can't remember which song it was, but... 1989, the tank man halts the progress of a column of advancing tanks for over half an hour after the Tiananmen Square protests in 1989. There are several conflicting stories about what happened to him after the demonstration. In a speech to President the President's Club in 1999, Bruce Herzogkun, <laughs> yeah, former Deputy Special Assistant to President Richard Nixon, alleged that he was executed 14 days later. Other sources alleged he was executed by firing squad a few months after the Tiananmen Square protest. Pips notes, okay, I lied. Tank Man Day was yesterday, but that had to be noted. I've joked about the weekend wiki history with Pips podcast, but that's a year or so out. I like it, Pip. I like it. I would be more than happy to do, uh, I would be more than happy to be the Monday through Friday guy if you wanted to do weekend history with pip that would be uh that'd be fun that'd be fun i'd come on and do it with you every once in a while <laughs> uh it's a year or so i was still working on content content banks for junkyard shopping with pip you got junkyard pop shopping with pip coming up and uh and uh, weekend history with pip man you're gonna be a busy busy boy after pulling myself a rabbit hole of links, I find that using the numbers 8964 or even 64 could be punishable in China, referencing the date 64 of 89. Anything to do with Tank Man? Cheers, Tank Man. Cheers. One could say many words about a dude who was heading home with groceries. Yeah, that was a pretty crazy. Um, a crazy thing. And then Pip's bonus link, find out why a bus driver was suspended for three months. If you want to check that out, you can find the links in the blog post for the episode every day. After the show, I go over, I, po I post a blog up and copy and paste all of Pip's history that he sends me, including links to all the things we talk about. This day in 2003, a severe heat wave across 
Pakistan and in India reaches its peak as temperatures exceeded 50 Celsius or for you guys down here in the U.S., that's 122 Fahrenheit in the region. 122, quite warm, quite warm. Uh, Pips notes, that's that's not that hot. Come to floor, oh wait, 122F. You can Fahrenheit that. <laughs> uh, I just want to put it out there that I'm just reading what he sent me. <laughs> I have I have horrible jokes of my own, but they're not that bad. Happy birthdays this day. Happy birthday to, in 18, 1819, John Couch Adams, English mathematician and astronomer. Uh, he died in 1892. His most famous achievement was predicting the existence and position of Neptune using only mathematics. Adams and Loudine professor. Adams was a loud Loudine professor in the University of Cambridge from 1859 until his death. He won the gold medal of Royal Astronomical Astronomical Society in 1866. In 1884, he attended the International Meriden Conference as a delegate for Britain. Smart dude. Smart dude. Gingerbread Farm says 122 is a normal day in Phoenix, but I think the humidity in Pakistan was like 90%, and in Arizona, it's like 7 This day in 1899, Otis Barton, American driver, engineer, actor, designer, and bathysphere designed the bath of sphere in 19 he died in 1992 with william Beebe off bermuda in june 1930 they set the first record for deep sea diving by descending 600 feet in 1934 and they set another record at 3028 feet damn that is uh that is a long ways down there a long time ago. Barton acted in the 1938 Hollywood movie Titans of the Deep. Huh. Deep Sea Diver. Interesting. This day in 1956, Kenny G, American saxophonist, songwriter, and producer, in contact with the saxophone when he heard a performance on the Ed Sullivan Show. He started playing the saxophone, a, buff, uh, a buffet cramped in alto in 1966 when he was 10 years old. What would we do without Kenny G? This day in 1971, Mark Wahlberg was born. American actor, model, actor, producer, and rapper. Yeah. Oh, the Mark Wahlberg rap days. Pips notes, comment war, go. Best Mark Wahlberg movie, leading or supporting actor. Pips vote is Renaissance, man. Mark Wahlberg, man. Was that Brothers? That was a pretty good movie. I think Brothers. Four brothers. Four brothers. Mark Wahlberg, right? Yeah. Go with that one. <laughs> yeah, we're both. Corey and I are both super good actors. By the way, Kyle says good morning. Uh, let's see who kicked off today, this day in nine, in 1316. June 5th, 1316. Louis X, King of France, died. Uh, his short reign in France was marked by tensions with the nobility due to fiscal and centralization reforms initiated during the reign of his father by Grand Chamberlain. Oh, yeah. Not even trying that. Not even trying that. 
uh, this day in 2002, Dee Dee Ramone, American singer, songwriter, and bass player, the bassist and founding member of the punk rock band The Ramones, rest in peace. This day in 2004, Ronald Reagan, American actor, politician, and 40th president of the United States. Ronald Reagan died of pneumonia complicated by Alzheimer's at his home in Los Angeles on June 5th, 2004. We got a couple holidays today. Let's see. New Zealand. New Zealand celebrates Arbor Day. Denmark is celebrating Father's Day. And Christians have a few things going on. Uh, let's see what Christians got going on. World Day Against Speciesism. Speciesism. <laughs> it's an international Christian holiday. A term used in philosophy regarding the treatment of individuals of different species. Pips notes, who the fuck this, this, this stuff? Who makes this shit up? <laughs> and Pip says, just remember, it's Tank Man Day. It's Tank Man Day. <laughs> it was Tank Man Day on the 4th. On the fourth, we missed the day, but we don't do a show on Sunday, so Pip had to bring it around today. Thanks, Pip, for putting that all together on this rough Monday morning. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it every day, all the work to put in. And like I said, if you were if you're interested in any of the stories that I butchered, names that I really screwed up, or want to learn more about any of the things we discussed today, head on over to thelotsproject.com, hit that podcast button, look at that blog post that'll be up here shortly after the show is done, probably before 10-ish Central. Uh, all the links and all the stories and all of Pip's notes will be down at the bottom. Just scroll down and you'll find it there. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks, Pip, for putting it together. And be sure to show him some love over at DuctionCups.com. That's just like Suction Cups, but it's with a D. DuctionCups.com. I guess it's not like Suction. You got to spell it Duck. Duction, like suction, but D-U-C-K, shun, ductioncups.com. Pick up some ducks and some cups. Thanks, guys. Ah, Thanks, Pip. Appreciate it. Hope your Monday is going well. Looks like James is back. James, did you get your truck started? And it is definitely going to be a two-press kind of morning. I'm going to be done with this one before the show's over. Monday, Monday, even when you're not getting up and running off to work like uh, like normal Mondays, for some reason, just uh, it goes a little slower. <sighs> it's just something about it. <laughs> Backwood says that that's been spelling with Brian. Better than spelling with Kyle. Better than spelling with Kyle. Not much. Slightly. Not one of my uh, not one of my strong suits, English, that whole English language. I've only been speaking it my whole life. And I try to do it every morning. So weird. Weird. Ah, let's get to it. What do I have on my list today? So <coughs> found something a few weeks ago. Kind of blew my mind. Corey wasn't as impressed as I was, but uh, I think she was a little impressed too. We, I'm going to go back and kind of let you know why this blew my mind. 
that this happened. But when we decided to move, decided to move into the camper, we had to purge a lot of stuff, like a metric shit ton. Like we got roll off, threw a bunch of stuff out. Uh, there was a ton of stuff left, but we had to go through everything and pare down to what was important enough for us to bring that we could fit in the truck and the trailer. Because we weren't gonna, we weren't gonna keep a storage shed. We weren't gonna do anything. Uh, so we needed to be able to carry it. So that was a lot of stuff. We went from 35 acres and seven. Let's see, one, two, three, four, four plus outbuildings, and just shit everywhere, everywhere. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff we needed. A lot of stuff we wanted. A lot of stuff we didn't even know that was there. Uh, we went through, I would say the majority of it, I would say really close to all of it. We put hands on, we decided yes, no, uh, absolutely not, whatever the normal process you do when you, you're going to move or you're going to purge or whatever. So we went through stages of this we sold a lot of stuff and we were consolidating things and as we would decide yes that is a must we need to keep it we would move it into the trailer we'd find a spot in the truck and we had a a spot that we put everything that um that we knew was going to go we had a spot we put everything that we thought might go and so as we kind of purge through everything, these piles develop themselves. And um, right before we left, we did a final walkthrough. Like Corey was already done. Corey was pretty much done and packed. I had a bunch of stuff that I had to go through at the end and say, make those final decisions. And I've mentioned it a few times. After I made those final decisions, I, I realized that I brought way too much. And we've been purging since we left. But one thing happened. We got on the road. We had everything we owned. We had gone through it all. We had a pretty good handle on what we had. Uh, there were things that we brought that were bonus supplies or extra supplies, things like that. There were put in totes that was like a bunch of stuff in one tote. Could I name every single item in there? Probably not. Do, do I know why every item is in there. Could I take it out, look at it and say, yes, I put hands on this. I put it in this tote for this reason. Um, and it is supplies or whatever. Extra this or that. Well, I was pretty confident in that, that I knew everything we had or had at least thought through everything that we had, which is a really cool feeling. Like, can you, can you think about your house or your apartment and go, Man, I, I, I really know what's in that box. I know what's in this. I know everything I have. It's it's really cool feeling. So I was comfortable with that. We were on the road here for now. It was five, four, five, six, seven, six months, six months-ish. Um, and we were looking for a cooler. I think we were going grocery shopping or someplace. We needed a cooler. We have a few. We have... Um, um i i uh we're looking for a cooler we have one for the truck but we needed an extra or a more 
more a better cooler we have like a travel cooler in there that doesn't work really well we have some other coolers in in the camper in the bed of the truck and so Corey pulls out this rolling cooler that we have that's really convenient and we pick it up and we're kind of opening it up and there's a bag in one of the pockets what the hell is this like when we went through everything like i'm not talking we just looked at it like we if it was a suitcase, we opened it, we looked in it, we weren't just like throwing full stuff in the pile. So pull this bag out, looking at it, I look in the bag, I'm like, oh, no shit, no shit. Uh, Corey used to take this cooler with her when she worked in the cities at the hospital. So when we first moved to the farm, Corey commuted 90 miles one way. Was that every day from the beginning? At first, it was every day. Then it went down to three days a week, and it kind of progressed from there to fully, fully remote. But when she was traveling to the cities, we took advantage of it. And Corey took a cooler, a rolling cooler of um, eggs, fresh eggs, from the farm to the cities. And we got to sell them at city prices. And she would sell out, like, you, you sold out most of the time and you were taking probably eight dozen. I think that cooler held eight to 12 dozen or something yeah, like that. that. Yeah. Okay. So she took like 12 dozen at a time and sold all these eggs. So it was, it was definitely worth, uh, we paid for the gas, let's just say to get down to the cities for her to go to work, regardless of whether she was selling them or not. Well, she would also bring vegetables when they were in season, when we had extra tomatoes or whatever, uh, starter plants. She sold all sorts of stuff since she was going there anyway, and 90 miles into the cities really changed our price point on what we were selling. So she also took all our products with us, and we had products that weren't uh, weren't eggs or starter plants or vegetables, things that didn't degrade. And might have gotten forgot about in Corey's little transport thing that she was set up to go sell all our stuff. And I pulled out a bag. It was a paper bag. I had to uh, I had to throw the paper bag away because it was like crusty and crumbly. It was so old. But I found, well, Corey and I found, I don't know if you can tell what that is in the camera. I found 15 or so i have to get a, a, a good count on them i was just uh doing it i i had to i found probably 15 rabbit foot keychains from when we were making them and we were trying to figure out how many years ago these were probably made they look fantastic they are in perfect shape uh i'm definitely trying to figure out how to uh sell those and how to uh, and how to market those as the collector's items they are, because we made and sold a ton of these things, and uh, these are the only ones left. These are definitely the only ones left. We don't have rabbits anymore, and that's what we were thinking of. Like, when did we get rid of our last rabbits? And then I was looking at the feet in here, and the different types of rabbits that we had, and I was like, when did we get rid of our last Rex that was that color? and man these things are old and they they look pristine they look brand new uh and it, what a score what a score these things made it in a cooler 
in like the pocket of a cooler, not like in the cold part. It was in a pocket of a cooler from, man, it was years they've been sitting in there. We haven't opened that pocket. We haven't undone that zipper. We haven't looked at it and gone, oh, look at these. Through all the packing, through all the sorting, through all the using the cooler over the years, we've never found them. And boom, we pulled them out and there they were. It was a pretty cool feeling. It was a pretty cool feeling. So I have them over here. I'm uh, contemplating what um, <laughs> what to do with them and how to list them, how to market them. But hey, what a cool, what a cool thing. Kyle says, uh, I enjoyed when you first got them and you first did them and they weren't kind of um, solid yet and you could move the bones. You could like move the front toes, stuff like that. Um, I think these are all back feet. I think this was before we even got into the front feet experiments or uh, we had sold them all as either mini keychains or cat toys was our, our really our MO on, uh, on the front feet was cat toys because then you didn't have to process them. All you had to do was, uh, well, you, you stopped the process halfway through before you put any jewelry or hardware on them. So that was a cool thing. Backwood Butcher says tails were fun. Um, we tried them and never really found the benefit in the tails. Uh, our our standards on the rabbit were front feet, back feet, heads. Um, heads went whole into a bag, four to a gallon bag, and sold as uh, raw food. And then we did whole call. Um we did whole call and um, and human grade uh, full full dispatch and, and uh, processed. It's kind of was our thing we did with the the rabbits to get the most out of it. Obviously pelts pelts we tried. Uh, we had all intentions of doing pelts. We wanted to do a good meat meat fur cross. We found out um, something that. Jack Spirko always preaches that a dual purpose anything isn't good at either uh, or doesn't exceed it either. And um, just like layers, dual purpose birds, you're either going to get a lot of eggs or you're going to get a small bird or, uh, or uh, not necessarily a good eating bird. And the rabbits were the same. To get the to get the costs right on the rabbits, you were culling them before the fur uh, was ready to be tanned. We were working on a line of larger Rex, what was it, Rex uh, Flemish Giant Crosses that were going to be pretty cool. Uh, probably good rabbits for uh, a dual purpose, as good as you're going to get. And uh, we just cut the breeding program short before we got to, got to where we wanted because it was very, very long cycle dealing with recessive Rex, Rex genes in uh, mixed with a Flemish Giant. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, you don't raise rabbits or you didn't pay attention in uh, high school biology class when we we're talking recessive genes and dominant genes. So Rex plush fur is a recessive gene in breeding rabbits. <laughs> Backwards Butcher says, sounds like I'm on Meet the Critters. Did I just, uh, was that my interview, Kyle? Kyle, uh, Kyle does a podcast, weekly podcast, where he's starting to talk to he was going to go through and talk about breeds of animals and uh, breaking them down and raising them and then uh, has shifted focus to talking with people that are raising them 
about the different things that they're doing and experiences. And I think I might have just did an interview uh, or a um, application to talk about raising animals. And I just broke down uh, what we used a rabbit for and uh, and slight look into uh, genetic genetic uh, breeding <laughs> schedules for Rex and Flemish giant rabbits. There you go, Kyle. It's only been, uh, I don't know, six, six, five years, at least, at least since I've, I've, uh, I did the, the draw out of our breeding program that I wanted to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he says that's for Kyle's, Kyle's going to miss work this morning, at least for a couple minutes. He's going to have to go take care of some stuff after, after the show. Um, anyway, that is, uh, that's what we found. I'm excited to uh, look at those. They, as I was pulling them out of the bag and looking at them, uh, like I said earlier, these are, are quality, quality, um, samples of what we had, man. They, these were good ones. And I, it doesn't surprise me. Corey took them to sell in person to hand someone, uh, face to face. You take your good ones. You take your good ones for sure. And, uh, <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. So let's wrap that up and uh, get on to this cutting grass thing. Uh, and Corey posed a question to me the other day as the landowners were driving or uh, mowing the yard out here in front or we were we were discussing it. And uh, she says, do you know why? Do you know why cutting grass smells so good? And I was like, I feel like I've heard this before, but I didn't really know. And Corey really likes it when when she knows shit I don't know. She loves it, and I I I can see that. I can see that. I always I'm always throwing facts and random shit that I learn at her, uh, and it's it's uh, not her deal. Definitely, it's not her deal. But when she pulls something out of her hat and she throws it at me, and it it gets me thinking, I have to look it up. And she knows that. She knows she can. She can kind of manipulate me a little bit where uh, if she needs to know something, she can uh, she can pose the question and she knows it, it'll eat at me until I look it up. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, she says to me, "Do you know why? Uh, you know why mowed grass smells so good? Fresh cut grass smells so good?" And I was like, "I think I know. I think I know, but I can't place it." She goes. Uh, you have to look it up. It has something to do with uh, killing things. What? What? And you know we're we're getting more into plants and um, nature, this and that. And I was like, okay, I got to look it up. It, it ate at me for a few days, maybe a day, and I was like, all right. We talked about it again. I started looking it up. Do you guys know why? Um, you know why fresh grass smells? Fresh cut grass smells so good. I I I found some conflicting opinions on why it really smells. Why we associate it with good. Why it smells good to us. Yeah, backwoods backwoods got it. it well, it's not necessarily pheromones. Backwoods butcher says it's the pheromones the grass gives off when it's cut to warn the other grass. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not pheromones. It's actually oxygenated hydrocarbons. 
Um, they include methanol, ethanol, acetyl, acetyl dethyl, and acetone. Excuse me. Um, they're called green leaf volatiles, GLVs. Uh, one of the theories why we think it smells so good is we associate it with summer. We associate it with recreational time, uh, time we're not at work, uh, and things like that. Things like that. I was like, eh, okay. We're like, I really didn't enjoy mowing the lawn and I didn't, I did enjoy mowing others lawns, making money, but I didn't enjoy mowing lawn that enough, enough that I would associate it with, um, with that good um but i could see it i could see why they why they did it the the more interesting thing that i read was that these oxygenated hydrocarbons these green leaf volatiles they it's not just grass it's not just grass that that uh produce these and so plants release these, like Kyle said, to warn other plants or to help defend themselves. Gingerbread says VOCs, volatile organic compounds. Yes. Yep. 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 So the green leaf volatiles, there's other plants that give it's not just grass. So one example was tobacco plants. Tobacco plants will give off certain green leaf volatiles only when they're being eaten by a specific caterpillar. Caterpillars that prey on the leaves, on the tobacco leaves. So you got a big, big field of tobacco. Leaves are out. Caterpillars start invest, infesting the field. The the tobacco plants will give off specific green leaf volatiles because that caterpillar is eating the leaves. The green leaf volatiles that it releases signal to predator pests that the caterpillars are eating the leaves. The only time that the tobacco leaves will produce this specific green leaf volatile is when it's being eaten by a caterpillar and the cat and the it signals to the prey or the predator that the caterpillars are there huh interesting interesting gingerbread says giraffes actually eat from downwind otherwise if chemicals go upwind the next plant they eat will taste bad interesting uh, backwards says same, same happens in some trees in Africa. They'll hear animals eating the leaves and change their flavor. So by the time they eat them, they taste bad. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. But the correlation with the fact that we associate, we associate it with good. Like we like the smell of fresh cut grass. Like it's a phenomenon. I don't think it's everybody. I don't think you could ever encompass everybody into something like that. But if you ask a hundred people, I'm guessing the majority say, yeah, I, I enjoy it. Like you drive down the road and somebody just mowed their lawn. You're like, oh yeah, fresh cut grass. I mean, we make air fresheners out of it. The fact that it's the, the screaming 
the screaming chemical release of murdering that plant or injuring that plant. Uh, yeah, it is what it is, guys. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I just like what is wrong with humans? What is wrong with us? What is wrong with us? And I think I think a lot of this uh, got me spurred because uh, Scrambling's been playing with his new toy. Uh, he received his musical guest in the mail for uh, for Squatch Fest. Uh, we've been talking about it a long time, ever since I had Tigrilla, uh Gardenia on the show, talking plant music and uh, plant intelligence. Uh, Scrambling went on a mission and found some plant music devices. He's been messing around with them. It's really, really cool. It's really cool. Um, and I think you should check it out. Check it out on the Scrambling University channel. He's put some lives up of uh, of different plants and the the noise, the music and noises they are making uh, when harnessing the electrical pulses inside the plant. So, check that out. I'm kind of getting into it. I uh, I'm going to put them on a wish list here, really quick because I want to get a couple of these things and mess around with them and uh, do some experimentation. Plants are cool. Plants are cool. So. <laughs> Ginger Red Farm says the fact that it's the screaming chemical release of a tortured plant makes me enjoy it even more. Of course it would. Of course it would. Oh, uh, let's uh let's start wrapping it up today, guys. Uh item of the day. Item of the day, lodge cast iron sleeve. This little silicone sleeve fits on the handle of your cast iron pan. I suppose it could fit on other things if you want, but uh, the handle of your cast iron pan, it's specifically made for lodge cast iron teardrop handle pans of nine inches or larger, the pan size, not the handle size, but it will fit on those. It is too big for anything smaller than that. But what you do is you slide it over the handle and you don't burn your hand. Pretty simple and straightforward. You can store it on there. You can put it on. You can take it off, throw it in the drawer. You can use it uh, as needed. Or just maybe make it a permanent fixture on your pan. It's not meant to go in the oven, so don't bake with it. And uh, Backwoods, Backwoods Busher says, rib for your pleasure. Yes, I'm actually doing A-B testing on a couple of uh, thumbnails. One of them may be a little... I'm trying to see what YouTube wants out of my channel. One may have been uh, a little A-rated and one may have been a little uh, B-rated, but going back and forth so if you go check the thumbnail on the review video today i may have gone down that line of rib for her pleasure actually not hers yours <laughs> anyway lodge cast iron sleeves these things are like under seven dollars they're great we uh they last they're tough lodge makes a good product and these things are no different check them out you can check out the blog post it in the video review that i did both links are down in the in the video description also a link for the amazon listing for it all right our affiliate listing for it so we get a little kickback if you buy one live interview tonight um gingerbread says don't leave it on the pan handle will rust have you noticed that your handle rusting on yours hmm experience may vary <laughs> we did not we did not uh, have our handle rust on our cast iron pan, but we also used it every day. I don't know. Or the majority of days. Could be something different. Could be, um, could be, um, 
Oh, Corey says they do say to take it off. I don't know. Oh, no the no the listing the listing says uh, you can store it on it. So I don't know. Yeah, backwards says my handle gets too much rust, <laughs> too much used to rust. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, tonight uh, live tonight I got uh, Josh from Rock and Sea Farms. I think I said Rock and K last week. Unfortunately, that was wrong. It's Rock and C out there in Bend, Oregon. He is a contractor and building the homestead. I'm excited to talk to him, hear his story, and just bullshit about what he's got going on. I really like talking to the people in the space that I came out of, and I'm still in. I uh, We've been thinking about how we're going to kind of keep doing this and uh and and get back into growing and things like that so stay tuned we got some plans uh moving forward that we're we're contemplating and things we're working on right now so that could be a transition coming soon but uh yeah oh gingerbread says he uses his every day and it's it's uh so humid there yeah, probably anything that is enclosed like that that's going to trap moisture and it probably condense and as it heats up and cools down. I'm curious, James, if uh, you 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 left it on and then after using it, it dried out and then put it back on. I wonder if uh, if it's condensing inside that sleeve on the handle because of the change in heat. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Anyway, six o'clock central tonight. Check out Josh. Otherwise, uh, otherwise tomorrow morning, we'll be back again. 6 a.m. As always, as always, if you enjoy the show, please consider sharing it with others. You can find it at the lotsproject.com on Noster, Telegram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Rumble and Instagram. Be sure to listen to one of your on one of your favorite podcast 2.0 value for value podcast players like Podverse or Fountain.fm. Guys, it was a rough Monday. It was a rough start, uh, a little false start there at the beginning. It's going to be a good day, though. We're going to get it taken care of, and we will catch up with you tomorrow.